Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Next One Up podcast. Um, we have an incredible interview for you guys today, but we're going to run through some current events first. Um, just a couple of highlights from the sports world in the past couple of days. Uh, we will start with the NFL. Uh, some new, more news coming out from Jacksonville. Um, Urban Meyer's denying it, but it's not a great look for him. He's the um, worst. He's public. <laughs> he's like public next to up enemy number one. I know. So basically, what we're hearing is that he insulted all of his assistant coaches and called them losers. Um, when he hired these people and hand selected these people for his staff, and now he's accusing them of being losers. I mean, he can't get any worse. Also, he said, I saw this recently. He said, What's the answer? Starting leaking some information or nonsense, that's garbage. If there's a source, then that source is unemployed. I mean, within seconds. Oh, my God. What a crazy person. (laughs) And honestly, can you, like, tell me what is he, what is he contributing? I mean, I just think, I think he needs to go back to his glory days in Ohio State, at Ohio State, because that's when he was thriving in this world. He's currently, he's just not doing well in the NFL. It's just not for him. No, you need to go go back go, go back. back go back to where it doesn't feel like you're playing Alabama every week yeah exactly <laughs> um some sad news in the past week uh I'm sure most people have, have heard of this by now um former NFL wide receiver Demarius Thomas who spent most of his careers with the Broncos passed away um suddenly yeah. They believe it's a medical issue, some sort of seizure. Yeah. It's just so sad. And um... Apparently, he was suffering from seizures for over a year. And, um, yeah, they believe he had one now. And it's it's really, really sad that um, they were saying he might have even had seizures in recent months. Oh, but geez. you obviously don't know the struggles people are going through. Um, right. behind the public eye and it's and obviously the entire league as well as other sports leagues had nothing but wonderful things to say about him as yes. a person and I remember there was a coach on Twitter who was talking about how Thomas like held his child the whole flight and like was just being so like loving and warm like right. he just seemed like a man of just total kindness yes and the Broncos honored him in an extremely beautiful way on Sunday they took their opening snap with only 10 men on the field. Um, Just like a very beautiful way to honor him. And they won, um, which was nice to win in his honor. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, Just a couple other highlights. Lamar Jackson was carted off with an ankle sprain and the loss of the Browns looked a lot worse than an ankle sprain. So hopefully some positive news there. Um, Bill's Josh Allen is in a walking boot after an <laughs> overtime loss to the Bucks. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears. If we had any doubt, he proved it wrong. <laughs> I just want to read you the stat line. He had an over 78% completion percentage through for 341 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions, a 141.1 quarterback rating. He also had a great quote. Like I didn't, I didn't Aaron Rodgers have that much finesse, but he said, "I own you." 
to the soldier field was to fans he's saying that comment was directed toward the fans but he said Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't necessarily toward the bears he's like look at the history i don't know if you can question a whole lot given our record against him over the past (laughs) few years it's like he's totally owning that i mean uh, you can't say anything like you because look at his performances yeah that's so funny incredible uh just a bit of college football news. Um, the Heisman winner was announced. Uh, Alabama QB Bryce Young won. Uh, he's a sophomore. Wow. He beat out Michigan, DN, Aiden Hutchinson, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett, and Ohio State quarterback CJ Stroud. His credentials included 43 passing touchdowns with only four interceptions. That's crazy. He led his team to a 12-1 record, a Southeastern Conference championship. It's He's done a lot. And some other news talking about another quarterback, which we've heard about a bit in some Ohio State-related news. Former five-star recruit Quinn Ewers will be transferring to Texas. He played for Ohio State um, and was behind C.J. Stroud there. But he will be transferring to Texas. He actually originally committed to Texas in high school. He's a Texas native. And now he will play under Steve Sarkeesian and have a chance to compete for the starting job as soon as he steps on that field. I mean, it's it's hard to be C.J. Stroud out. Yeah. It's not an easy task. I understand where he's coming from. But um, in some quick basketball news, we're going to give some quick updates. Um. If you ever wanted to have a dream of playing in the NBA, Chicago Bulls, this might be your chance. Because they, <laughs> they postponed two whole games amid a coronavirus outbreak. Like, the like the entire team has become affected with COVID. They didn't even have enough players to play. I mean, like, that's literally unbelievable. So a lot of people were just joking about it on Twitter. And I don't know, like, it's crazy because you would think, like, at least I guess the perception from where me and Carl live, which we live in the northern New Jersey, New York area, is that COVID has calmed down quite a bit, but Obviously, in other, other places, it's kind of running rampant, so it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so that's that. And then next week, stay tuned because we'll get into some trade talk. Um, obviously, the NBA trade deadline isn't until February. Um, but on December 15th, for reference, we're recording on a Monday, um, players who sign new contracts during the offseason will be available to be traded, meaning more than 80% of the NBA will be tradable. So we're kind of going to go over some of what you should watch for during this time. Sarah, and then, have you yes. heard any news or any update on the possibility of the Blazers trading for Ben Simmons? Any yeah. development there? So the interim GM made it clear that Dame is off the table. So that's because a lot of people were speculating that he would go somewhere, but that's just not possible. Um, he's he's staying put. Sure. Um, Cronin, Joe Cronin, excuse me, is interim GM, and he was talking about it. Siege is in the table, and Fernie Simon's in the table, but mm. we'll see what happens. But now other teams have come forward and expressed mm. public interest in Ben Simmons, and there's like a whole list of them. Sure. Among them are the Knicks. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But like, I'm going to get into like all the different scenarios next week and then Exciting. as far as college basketball we have to shout out new jersey's finest rutgers um last week they took down the number one purdue which is absolutely insane huge you have this crazy shot from ron harper jr like if you haven't seen it which i'm sure most of our listeners have but if you haven't please just stop what you're doing and go youtube it because it is insane and you know being new jersey natives and my mom actually it's funny my mom knows ron harper jr's mom really well because she as a coach and my sister dana um would train with her a lot um when she was playing and she's a great woman she's a really powerful coach as well and i know his dad played and 
just a great family, but like good for them. Like, you know, Rutgers beating the number one seed, like that's crazy. And good that's for huge for Rutgers basketball. Yeah, like, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is weird. I'm putting it in our outline. I'm sure Sarah was like, What the hell? Why oh, I was really put I was like, USC is she, is she well? in our outline. So <laughs> let me explain. Um, so apparently, based on some sources I have that actually watch UFC, a huge <laughs> thing happened Saturday night, um, and I wanted to talk about it because um. it's women fighting UFC, so that's why I'm highlighting it. I have heard of Amanda Nunez before. Um, she's, mm-hmm. like, a pretty much a household name. Um, she's pretty known in the sports world, so if, even if you're not a UFC fan, you've probably heard of her. She was the champ at the 135 weight class level, and she was dethroned by Juliana Pena um, in a crazy fight, um, and Pena shocked everyone by beating um Nunez Nunez still holds the title for 145 but she will be moved down and Pina will be moved up in the 135 weight class she looks like such a badass these women (laughs) scary and like I was reading about it and like just the, the article starts off with like Athletic commission inspector came over and pointed Pena to her corner where a ringside physician tended to her bruised eye. And you look at her and she's like totally messed up, obviously, in the eye. And like these women are just, I don't know, that's scary. I I, I don't know, Carly, you're like someone who I could picture like doing that. Could you ever see yourself doing that or do you think that's like too too much out of it for you? I can't with my face. (laughs) (laughs) So any other part of your body is fine. Yeah, but my face, like... I could not get like my mm. like my cheek split open. Like I just that yeah. that's a little too far for me. Wait, and you know what's so funny, Carly? Because of the violence and obviously like the rush of the moment, when the fight was over, she leaned over to ask the doctor what was going on. She said, What happened? In the post fight uh. news conference, he's like, It's done, like it's over, you won. And she was like, I didn't even know. Oh like my I didn't God. even know. <laughs> That's wild. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, it's I don't know. A- I kind of, like, invest. Like, I kind of want to start watching. Well, the thing is, I've watched, like, some UFC when I, I have a problem when the they get, like, hit in the face and stuff and, like, their yeah. eyeball starts bleeding. Oh, stop. Like, I just, yeah, I can't see it. Right. And there's some really gruesome injuries that happen they are they are um i also it bothers me and it's less with ufc because it's more of like a jujitsu type thing it's like a little bit of wrestling involved Mm -hmm. so there's not as many like head injuries but that's hard for me to watch like in terms of boxing where they just keep getting hit in the head oh my god carly do you remember high school at our high school they made us take like this really questionable self-defense fighting class as part of gym I kind of remember going up to the wrestling room for something. <laughs> yeah. And okay, worry like, and worrying that I was gonna get some like you know, skin disease. <laughs> like ringworm. I feel like our high school gym classes were looking back. I'm like, what the hell? Like, that was, it was so questionable. Seriously. Um That's so funny. Yeah, so big news there in the UFC world. I don't know. I mean, I can watch here and there, you know, fight nights are like a huge deal, but like I said, once it gets too gruesome, I'm out. Yeah, I, no, I agree, but I mean, good for her. Yeah. Um, should we go to our interview? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Awesome. Um, so we have a really, really awesome interview for you guys. Um, in light of the MLB lockout, 
we thought it would be awesome to talk about strikes, lockouts, and uh, labor relations and negotiations. Um, so we brought in an expert who was actually one of my former professors at Drexel. We had an awesome conversation with him. We think you guys will really enjoy it. So we will see you guys there. We are here with Professor Lawrence Cohen. He has 25 years of industry experience with three professional teams, is an expert on the legal aspects of sports promotion, sponsorship, sales, and operations. He's the founder and president of Beyond the Arc Sports, and he is an associate clinical professor of sports business at my alma mater, Drexel University. Thanks so much for being with us, Professor Cohen. My pleasure, Carly. Really glad to be here, and thanks for having me. Sure. Um, so to start off, uh, we want to hear a little bit more about your background. So you could just tell us, you know, about your experiences, um, you know, a little bit about your career. Sure thing. Uh, well, you covered the highlights uh, in that in that great introduction. So uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll go through things and not really in a chronological order, um, just sort of more talk about the the experiences Um generally, so I'll group things together that did not happen chronologically together. Um, so I have a, quite a bit of experience in, in facility management, which um, a lot of people don't necessarily think is part of the sports business, but it's really you know a big part of the sports business because the events have to happen somewhere. Um, and I was, I was very fortunate to work for two companies in the, in the private management of, of facilities. A lot of times facilities are run by a local government um, entity or something like that. I worked for a company that privately managed these. Uh, one was SMG, um, then it was Spectacore Management Group, then SMG, and now it's actually part of ASM Global, um, uh, which is part of the Anschutz Entertainment um, Properties. And the other was Global Spectrum, which is now a part of uh, the Oakview group. Uh, but both of them do the same things. They come in, they manage uh, arenas, stadiums, convention centers, theaters on behalf of um, the local governing uh, entity because the, the theory is, and I think it's more than a theory at this point, that a private enterprise can do a better job of managing um, those types of venues with the for-profit motive. <clears throat> As Carly mentioned, I've also worked for three professional sports teams, um, worked for the then Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, now the Anaheim Ducks in the NHL, um, worked for the then Anaheim Angels, now the Los Angeles Angels. Both of them are still in the same venue that they played at in the same city, just undergone a little bit of branding changing uh, there. And in Philadelphia, worked for the Philadelphia uh, 76ers. And in in all of those instances, really focused on the revenue generating side of, of team operations, whether it was ticket sales or sponsorships um, or public relations and community relations um, or marketing, um, th those types of, of areas of, of, of the team enterprises. Um, I've also worked as a vendor um, in the sports industry. So I worked for a company called tickets.com where we, uh, we're responsible for a great deal of the Major League Baseball ticket sales. Um, my, my job was, was overseeing the relationship with Major League Baseball. And it, 
at that time, Major League Baseball Advanced Media um, was the entity um, that we had the agreement with. Um, I've also worked as a lawyer um, in antitrust law uh, and was involved with the uh, um, Ed O'Bannon decision was probably my um, probably most noteworthy just because of the effect that that has had on the sports industry. And um, as Carly mentioned, I now have my own company um, doing consultant work in, in the sports industry um, as well as teaching uh, at, at Drexel. Go Dragons, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carly's had some great professors at her, her alum, so that's, that's awesome. But getting into your expertise, you know, can you explain why other parties strikes and walkouts of facts? I think the general public only thinks about players and management. Yes, yeah, Sarah. So that's really a great question because I agree with you. You know, that's where people are focused. And when you start peeling back that onion, it's, it's not just the players um, and the management. Uh, you have all the, first, let's start with all the employees of the teams, right? But depending on how long this, this drags out, um, it, 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 it could have a severe effect on them, whether it's the people in sales, um, whether it's, you know, supervisors and middle management, um, and then take it all the way down to your uh, game day staff, right, your ticket takers and ushers. So if this thing gets prolonged, as some have, um, there are a lot of people on, who work for the teams that can lose their jobs. They'll get furloughed. Um, or they'll be asked to take pay cuts, um, just not all that different. You know, if you want to think about where we've seen something similar recently is when COVID happened, right? And, and all of a sudden the teams are shutting down and they're keeping employees initially. And then as it drags on and nobody's allowed, you know, they're not doing games, they're, they're letting all, a lot of those people go. So clearly, you know, other employees of the teams is probably the first thing you think about. Um, but then there's also the vendors of the teams, you know, the concessionaires, uh, you know, they've, they've done, they've done agreements to manage the food service. Now there's no food service happening. Um, they've probably laid out a lot of cash to build out the infrastructure to do that, whether it's putting in ovens or point sale systems or whatever it is. So the concessionaires get affected as do their employees. Um, company I worked for, tickets.com. Well, for not selling any tickets for baseball, right? That's a lot of revenue we were expecting to make, right? You've all, you've all bought individual tickets, I'm sure, for events online and those convenience fees. That's how, you know, we made our money. Um, and so if, if that's not happening, again, that the, the vendors um, certainly can take, it, it can affect them in, in, in a negative way. Your media partners, right? The regional sports networks that have, again, spent, given these teams a lot of money, and particularly in baseball, where they're looking to fill, you know, that's 162 days of programming that they're providing, uh, the, the teams are. And if you take that out, well, A, you know, now I, I got to go back to advertisers I've sold to and said, guess what? No baseball. Um, and instead, we're going to be showing, you know, reruns of whatever um, that is, is clearly, clearly not going to draw the eyeballs. So the RSNs have potential problems, 
as do the national networks, right? ESPN's counting on that. Fox is counting on that. Um, so it certainly impacts all your media partners, impacts your sponsors, right? Who, okay, we're going to, you know, sponsor, we're going to invest this and sponsor the bobbleheads or signs or whatever it is. Now all that um, has to be thought through and certainly something uh, that, that you guys can um, understand because you're a lot younger than me, um, interns and potential interns, right? Uh, this is in, in the sports world, this is still a problem due to COVID where teams still haven't brought back interns. Um, and so all of that, right? When, so like you say, that's why it's such a great question, Sarah. It's not just the players and management being affected. It is a lot of people, a lot of stuff downstream um, where it could be really negative and, 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 and the uncertainty certainly makes it, makes it hard, right? The you have your RSN's probably out trying to sell, you know, advertising for baseball right now. And their advertisers have, have just probably finished their budgets for 2022. And, and what you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so uh, <laughs> a long-winded answer to that question. I apologize. Do you, I mean, maybe you have some experience from, you know, working in ticketingwithtickets.com. Do these, you know, the vendors and everyone involved that's not directly involved with the team, do they prepare for something like a lockout when the year may be coming where there might be a negotiation for a new CBA? Yeah, to, to a certain extent, you, you do. Um, you know, maybe you have uh, put a little bit more money aside. Uh, to get to get you through it, um, you probably have a plan for HR, right? If 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 uh, you got to furlough people or or let them go, um. So yeah, there's there's certainly that type of contingency planning going on, and you hope, and the, your your hope is that if there is a, an interruption to your part of the business, it's really short lived. You know, you do, you hope it's not something that happened in the NHL where they shut down for a year, right? Um, or uh, Major League Baseball going back to the 95, 96, right? Where the players cut it off in August and they didn't come back um, until April. Um, so you, you, I guess, plan for the worst and um, really hope that it doesn't come to that. Now, in terms of the negotiations themselves, what are some reasons that players and management come to a standstill? Oh boy. Um, yeah, you know, so Carly, you'll appreciate this because I probably said it a million times in class, um, say money, right? And, and then you're going to be right 99% of the time to any question about sports business, just say money. Um, so it, it's, it's really those you know, money's the, the, the driving force. And then you have all the other things that impact money that, that come up to it. You know, why it would come to a standstill, though, probably is, is sort of a secondary uh, or secondary to money being the issue, right? The core issue. Comes to a standstill, probably one, they're so far apart on critical issues that, you know what, there's no sense in, in us talking anymore because we're not even close, right? You you guys are talking about apples and we're talking about oranges on this issue, right? 
So that's clearly one reason why you, you could come to a standstill. Another is particularly right now in baseball, there is no sense of urgency, right? It's December. Nobody cares, right? The owners, it's not impacting them. And the players, it's not impacting them financially at this point, right? Um, so there's no sense of urgency. When you get closer to it starting to have an impact on both of those parties, then I don't. I, I think you move away from a standstill. But right now, what's anybody's incentive to do anything? Um, right, really not there. A couple of other reasons, you know, why negotiations could come to a standstill. Unfortunately. Uh, these two go hand in hand, a lack of trust, just a complete lack of trust between um, owners and players uh, that they, they think the other side is lying, cooking the books. Um, and, and along those lines is, I, I guess, a lack of transparency. You know, owners really don't have to open their books. They're private companies. Um, and so they, you know, they don't have to. And so that lack of transparency feeds the lack of trust. Is there a party that's mediating the two to try to? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. They'll, um, I assume eventually, if it gets bad enough, they'll bring in a mediator, right? Because then you'll, you'll have politicians start to say that, you know, we need baseball. <laughs> um, it's the American pastime. And so let's have this mediator come in and, um, you know, it, 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 it very well, it, it, it probably will go, go to that because historically that, that's what happens. Um, but we're just not there yet, right? Because nobody cares. As someone who's been on the internal side of things, what are some non-publicized challenges that lead to a strike or lockout? Um, well, that, you know, that's a great, another good question, Sarah. The, the, one thing that people don't, isn't generally publicized is a, a team could really be in severe financial distress, right? Um, you see that in uh, probably organizations that are more reliant on non-revenue sharing. So you won't see that in the NFL, right? Because the end of revenue sharing that goes on and there is no team in the NFL in financial distress. Right? There may be teams that are making more money than others, but they're all making money. Versus a league like Major League Baseball or the NHL, which relies a lot more on local revenue. You know, look at what's happening in Arizona with the Coyotes. If you're if you're paying attention to anything that's, that's going on out there, they are um, a, a bit they're a train wreck because they're in such financial distress, right? They're in their third or fourth owner in the last 10 years. Um, they're in a bad deal with the arena um, and the arena is owned by the city and the city has invested all this money in the arena based on having the team there, right? So it's, it's just a bad situation, but that kind of financial distress, nobody wants to talk about it. Um, it's certainly not an owner saying, you know what? I'm, if we don't get this deal done, I'm good. I'm I'm going belly up, right? Um, so you, you know that is certainly a non-publicized challenge that could lead to a strike or or a lockout. And I'm sure that there are teams in Major League Baseball uh, that are in those circumstances. 
Um, you know, I, I can't say with 100% confidence, but I suspect the team in Carly's old neighborhood down in Florida there in Tampa, um, they are, you know, they've been sending smoke signals up for years that, that they are in a bad financial situation. Um, certainly any small market team, I would, I would guess, has, has similar issues. So that's certainly one. Um, another thing that, that I would say are non-publicized challenges, any kind of new learnings. Right, the, the 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 league or the or the players have have absorbed that they're not necessarily publicizing, and I'll, I'll return to the um, COVID. Right, I think both sides learned a ton about holes in the CBA that they didn't. You know, you certainly anytime you negotiate a deal, you're trying to think of everything that could possibly happen. I can assure you, none of them thought, oh, there could be a pandemic, right? And we're going to be shut down because of that, or fans aren't going to be let in. And so there were a lot of learnings um, that I think they, they discovered that they're not necessarily, you know, publicizing yet, but there, there were a lot of holes in the, in the CBA um, because it didn't address, you know, that. Yeah, um, honestly, so interesting. And I didn't consider like that there's all these things that aren't talked about, especially in terms of like the financials of individual ownership. Um, in terms of a strike versus a lockout, you know, strikes are brought on by the players and lockouts are brought on by management. How does that affect things differently? Does a strike cause different things to happen versus a lockout? Yeah, um, I don't think that the mechanics of how you got there matter. You know, um, it will, it, um, you know, a lockout could be perceived, a lockout's harder to execute um, because you have to, you know, pass muster with the National Labor Relations Board. Um, that's got a lot easier. I won't get into the Supreme Court cases. It certainly has gotten a lot easier to do that. You used to only be able to do it, a lockout, if it was a defensive mechanism. Um, mean, uh, but the Supreme Court has made that a lot easier. And so you can certainly use it as a tactic now, which is what Major League Baseball is doing. Um, you know, but Carly, you hit the nail on the head. Look, one's done by owners saying you can't come and work anymore. And one's done by players saying we're not going to work anymore. Um, in sports, um, you know, and, and the reason why either party does one is obviously to pressure the other side, right? The owners are going to, we're going to lock you out and we're going to find your pain points and we are going to squeeze you, Right. Players doing the same thing to owners. And that's why, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, the only successful strike that I ever recall was in 1995-96, I think, with Major League Baseball, where the players were like, it's August, we've made most of our money. You guys are going to start making money in the playoffs. Guess what? We're going out on strike. Um, and 
they found the owner's pain point, right? Which was, oh, that's what, hold on. We've already paid you most of your money because the players aren't going to make a lot of money in the, in the postseason, right? They're making their money. They'll get some money, but most of their money is made during the regular season. Owners, on the other hand, count on the playoffs as the point where they're going to, they're going to make money. Um, so it's, it's all about applying the pressure at the right time. And, and so what Major League Baseball is trying to do now um, is they don't want to continue the operating under the existing CBA, right? The CBA expired. They could say, we'll continue to operate, right, under that, because the players would be fine with that right now. The owners are saying no, because that happened to us before, right? And we saw what happened when we, when we continued to operate under the existing CBA. You guys turned around in August and, and crushed us. Um, so that's really the, the, the difference from a logistics standpoint. I would say in sports, additionally, more so, I think, than in other non-sports entities, it's all about perception. So this is not right now. The owners are taking a chance because the perception is right. They're the ones who are going to take baseball away from us. Versus if the players strike, right. The perception is you guys are a bunch of, you know, rich athletes who are getting paid all these gazillions of dollars. And you're taking baseball away from us. So, right. So there's a perception issue that, that um, goes on as well there. And I, I'm, I, I'm curious to see how this ends up getting perceived as we get closer to pitchers and catchers reporting and players turn around and say, hey, we're, we're ready to go. They're not letting us show up. Um, and that, so that's where uh, it, it may have a different effect as well. Yeah, and we're starting to get into it. And I know it might be premature, but do you think the owners will be successful with this tactic? Do you think they're going to get what they want? Um, if history is our guide, my answer is yes. Um, primarily because you certainly saw it work really well. And this is a little bit of what Major League Baseball is basing their, I'm sure, basing their decision on. You saw it work really well with the NHL and NBA, um, where this tactic of, of using a lockout um, worked and they got, they got major you know, concessions from from the players' associations, they essentially, you know, won won those negotiations if there if there is a winner. So yeah, I, th I think that that will um, that that will probably play out similarly here, um, where I think the owners will end up uh, winning. Remember, also owners have time on their sides, really more so than the players, right? Think about how short a player's career is. And so they have this small window in which they can make all the money that, you know, um, possible. And then they, you know, got to go out and either find a real job or they retire, right? And, you know, go live on a beach somewhere. But that is a really short window, you know, four, maybe five years in Major League Baseball. Whereas the owners, they're looking at the long view. Right. I'm owning this team for 50, 60 years. One year shutting down. You know what? Doesn't really bother me. Um, so there's the as you know, 
we get into the pitchers and catchers reporting, maybe in the regular season, owners, owners have the leverage of time. In terms of like who has the power, based on what you're saying, it sounds like the owners at this point do. And at this point in sports, owners have the power because they have the money and they have the time, like you're saying. Was there ever a point when the players had the power? And do you think that will ever, that like power will swing once again? Yeah, they, um, wow. I, um, so clearly, as I said, in 94, 95, the, the players had the power. And I would say baseball historically, players have, it, going back to the 70s and, and the 80s, players did pretty well. Um, once free agency was introduced, right? And, um, you know, players ended up doing okay. I think that pendulum has certainly swung in the favor of owners. You know, in your old league, Carly, the NFL, I don't think the players ever had the power, right? They get, every time they've, they've gone up against owners, they've gotten crushed. Um, you know, do I see that changing? Potentially, um, you know, players now have a platform that they didn't have before, certainly with social media and, and being um, more, more vocal. I, I think that they can create a sense of sympathy, um, you know, that owners cannot or or do not right um you know think about how many people follow lebron james on twitter right he's he's probably top 20 of of everybody in the world i can't think of an owner that is you know anywhere in the top 1000 um maybe the maybe mark cuban is 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 somewhere up there um right so they have they have platforms that they didn't have before um, I think they're also a little bit more savvy than they used to be. Um, you know, where, where I think the players are going to move, well, you know, when we talk about um, some of the issues that, that are out there, I, I think their, their biggest legitimate gripe um, to me is that they have provided the basis on which these owners have built other businesses and they have not gotten a share of that revenue, right? Cause in the CBA you're, you're limited to um, baseball related revenue or basketball related revenue, not these other businesses that, as I said, owners have built on, 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 on top of um, what, what the players were providing. The players didn't get a piece of that. Think about, I'll go to baseball. Major League Baseball started ML BAM, Major League Baseball Advanced Media. They then spun off BAM Tech, which, which remember, ML BAM, again, this, adva this advanced media platform was all built on the players' backs, right? Because they, they provided the content. Without any content, you don't have anything. They built BAM Tech, spun it off, right, to where it had some crazy valuation. I think Major League Baseball still may own 15%, but the Walt Disney Company was a part, 
became a partner in BAM Tech when they spun it off and bought the NHL out. And that's revenue that the owners are getting. Again, that these guys helped create, but aren't getting a piece of. And I, I think that's a great example. RSNs, right? The regional sports networks that where teams are sometimes a part owner. Again, being built on the backs of the players, but the players only see the, the from a revenue standpoint, the portion that's being paid to the team for the right to broadcast their games, as opposed to the whole RSN. Um, and so I think that as we move more into streaming and things like that, I think the players understand what's going on here a little bit, and they're probably going to uh, want, want a piece of that. Another question. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. No, you go first. You go first. I was just saying that's something like I, I never even thought about, but it's so that the, the owners are monetizing so much more, like you said, because of the talent of these players. And I really never thought of it. And it does go so far, even to the point, like you said, of regional sports networks, because teams do own part of those sometimes. And those produce a lot of revenue and it, it just keeps going. Um, right. Like, and that's something I don't think a lot of people think about. Yeah. You know, so think about I, this is where the lack of transparency comes in as well. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll simplify this a, a, a little bit. Team owns the stadium or arena. Right. Or, or let's say they, they built the arena and from a revenue sharing standpoint, right, the, the players are only entitled to the stuff that's related to their game. So you sell a suite, right, for $300,000 in there. But the ticket price could be $100 per seat for, for, for each of that. And the players are only seeing the piece of that $100 per seat, not the rest that call it big call, whatever you want, the, the, the owner is making off of the, this, the entire suite sale. Um, and that goes, you know, for sponsorships too, right? They're only getting the piece that's, that's being designated for the, for the, their games. Did I explain that all right? I think so, Marley. You think so? Yeah, yes, definitely. It makes sense. Okay, great. Thanks. It feels like we're back in college. I swear. I'm like, sorry. I'm like, and I meant it like, can we join one of your lectures? Like, I would love to just <laughs> interesting, you know? Um, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if the back to college comment was going to bring back nightmares or pleasant no, thoughts. No, so. <laughs> no, no, me and Carly are really inquisitive. And like, honestly, I really miss it. I love being in class. I like learning. And like, that's one thing about the railroad that like I kind of miss about college. So no, I'm sad about it. But good. Um, yeah, fair enough. We're all lifelong learners, though. Thank you yeah, it's true. Um, I was going to ask, are commissioners like a neutral party or like what is their role? Do they kind of stand back? Uh, when they started, they were neutral, right? Going back to Kenesaw Mountain Landis and Major League Baseball, right? Brought on to clean up the game after the Black Sox scandal. Um, they moved at some point from not being neutral to being really hired by the owners and, and just working on the owner's behalf. Um, so their role has really changed. And, and, and Sarah, it's a good point because 
the, the commissioners get enormous power as part of the CBAs. And if you're giving all that power to somebody who's working for the other side, if you're, if you're the players, um, you're seeding a lot, right? So the commissioner in baseball has the ability to act in the best interest of baseball. That's literally the clause, right? 2.2, best interest of baseball. Um, and with something that broad, that gives this, the commissioner effectively unlimited power. And so if you're on the other side, you got to be saying, whoa, 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 right? Rob Manfred has all this power that we're giving him in the CBA, but he's not acting in my best interest, right? He's acting in the owner's best interest. Um, it, it would be really interesting if we went back to a neutral party. Um, I don't think it'll happen, uh, but it, it would be really interesting because I think that would resolve a lot of the issues that uh, that that we see. Well, I remember, um, and I think I actually might have done a project in one of your classes um, about Deflategate and how that was handled. And it's interesting because Goodell had so much power in that scenario, and there was, he took a lot of heat for that. Um, yeah, well, so Deflategate's a great example because I and I I've, I still use that one in classes only because you know the first question I ask students is what's Deflategate? What was Deflategate about? And they'll say deflating footballs. And the court case, the legal case, had nothing to do with deflating footballs. It was all, as Carly just said, it was all about what authority the commissioner had, and that's why really. Both of those parties were, were getting ready to take that to the Supreme Court because that's how important that issue was to be resolved. I feel like Carla, you choosing that in class is a little biased, a little biased choice. <laughs> her and her giant her, really no bias here. <laughs> her, her giant fandom coming for the Patriots at academic level. Really, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Wait, Professor, what are you a fan of? Who is your sports team? Oh, uh, so. Sadly, um, mm -hmm. because of my time in the industry, I'm really not a good fan of anybody. Um, where, I've, where I've managed to disassociate myself, at least create a dichotomy in my mind where I find I can root for teams, um, is a little bit of college sports um, because I've, I've managed to take my working on the O'Bannon case out of the equation um, and just try to, to try to watch it. And I, and I actually like watching, call it division three, division two, the sort of even lower level division one, because most of those people aren't going to go, you know, pro. And so it's just a different animal. And I just, I just like watching the sport for the sport's sake. Um, I, it's, I'm, I'm sorry to say that. No, it's okay. <laughs> I honestly know how you feel though because like when I was working at the NBA it like made me not have a close fandom anymore because you're kind of watching the overall game so much that you lose it and you were like really heavily involved so that makes a lot of sense but yeah I like college sports too that's fun yeah yeah and um so you know when you there are certain players I certainly became I I, I became fans of only because of the way they treated me personally right I was like oh you know what that person's a really good person. They, they, when I asked them to do something on behalf of the team, they were like, no problem. On the flip side, it was like, you know what? That, that guy was a pain in the neck to deal with. It was like pulling teeth to get him to do anything. And I would, I, 
you know, I would hope you get checked into the boards and, and got, get knocked out for a few games or something, right? Um, just because, you know, so, so it, gets, it gets a little personal, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, so after taking your classes, I remember like a few times, like the sponsorship class, you always said, you'll look at a game completely different. Um, so, and I, I think at this point in my career, especially being on the inside of like an NFL team, like you do look at games completely different. Um, and like you said, you have to separate your professional side from your fandom part. Um, but we are going to wrap up here. We want to thank you so much for coming on Professor Cohen. Um, this was really awesome. We felt like we were back in class, which we're really happy about. Um, so much. So thank you so much. My pleasure, uh, Carly and Sarah. Really enjoyed it. Um, always happy, happy to help any way I can. And, and like you guys, I'll be, I'll be watching with great interest as, as we see what gets resolved uh, here in Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll probably have to take a little bit of a winter hiatus, um, <laughs> and then they'll, they'll pick up again, you know, in, in February, I suspect. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Professor. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Bye. I miss college. I think I'm going to sneak into his class. Like, he can send us the link. We just kind of quietly break in. I think it'll be fine. I know. I. It's so, like, funny that I miss going to class, but I had some really, like, specific classes, you know, like the sports classes, the ones that you actually enjoyed that you didn't have to take. Um, and this felt like brought me back to being in class and I loved it. I learned I so know. much. <laughs> he has like that professor voice. I think some people just naturally have that ability and he's just yes. obviously one of them. But he's just so knowledgeable about the topic. There's things I never even thought of and I worked for a sports mm-hmm. law firm and it was, I thought it was just so unique. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really saw. glad we had him on to talk about this particular subject and bring some light to things that, like you said, we would have never even thought or considered. And, you know, like, I, I think just reflecting back, like, you know, me and Carly have obviously had this podcast for a while now, and I think coming to the end of the year, it's, it's making me reflect. And when we first started this, one of our goals was to make sure that a lot of our guests were diverse, right? So we weren't just doing reporters or friends we had, you know, that worked for leagues. We really mm-hmm. wanted to show, like, the business side of sports, the reporting side, um, the female perspective. And I really feel like we're trying to do that, and we're doing, you know, a good job at it. So I'm excited about these different kinds of guests. Yeah, exactly. And we can only go up from here. I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I, I do think we're doing a great job of like highlighting diversity and bringing unique perspectives to the podcast. Yeah. So like stay tuned for, for some other unique guests we have. And like I said, we'll be getting into a lot of NBA, NBA trades next week. It'll be exciting. Yeah. And you guys know where to find us. Next one up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Next one up pod on gmail.com. We will see you guys next week. Bye.